0: Everyone just keep an eye on that little red little light there.
1: I can't see it from where I'm it's at.
2: It's
0: on. Well, I know it's on now. But... <laughs> okay.
2: Let's see. Short
1: kings. What's that? <laughs> what? Sorry. Oh, what? <laughs>
2: what? Oh, no,
1: I can't see the light because okay. I'm short. Oh, I see. Yeah. see That's okay. I heard short canes. Short kings. kings. Short,
0: short, short kings. Short kings. <laughs> Rise up. Do you know what they say about short Short kings. <laughs>
1: That's actually that's a 30-second ad cut read reference. right there. Sorry. That's a deep-cut reference to season
0: one.
3: Oh, yeah. it, mm, ma-
2: it made the blooper sorry. episode. It made the blooper. episode. Wait, what? It. Yeah, I haven't listened to season one. I'm sorry, guys.
1: Uh, season one bloopers are pretty good. Okay. Okay. Season one bloopers were the best. Mm-hmm.
2: So if I listen to season one bloopers, is that <laughs> all I need yeah, to? Okay. Uh, you well, and Christy. Up. Oh, oh I, yeah, I should one? listen to Christy's Yeah, episode. Christy was
1: yeah. season
2: one. That was the best one. Welcome back to the Entertainment Inquisition. I'm your host, Allison, and today I am joined by Brady, James, and Jared. Do you guys want to say hi? Introduce yourselves.
0: Hi, I'm Brady.
3: Hello, I'm James. We are from the Armor of Light podcast.
1: I'm Jared, and this uh, introduction is brought to you by Great Value. Why get it at full (laughs) price when you could get it cheaper? (laughs) All
2: right. All right. So, um, as I promised earlier in the season, I was going to be inviting the Armor of Light guys onto my podcast to talk about Father Stew. So, Father Stew came out last year um, in like November. Do you guys remember? No, last year in April. Earlier than that. Yeah, it was last spring. Yep. Um, We are going to just kind of do an overview of the movie. Um, We'll talk about little bits of things along the way. And then I've got some questions for the guys near the end. But So we're going to start out, Uh, Stu is a boxer, kind of killing it in the ring, but also kind of getting killed in the ring a little bit. The doctor tells him, let's not keep boxing. His mom also says, let's not keep boxing. Um, But he's kind of upset about it. So he goes to church, is drinking, I think his brother's grave there, um, and then punches a Jesus statue, um, gets arrested. Pretty great. Then he decides immediately after that he's going to be an actor and move to L.A. Um, have you guys ever considered just punching a Jesus statue moving to L.A.? I
0: I go back and forth every day. I think so. Okay. Not at all. That's not true.
1: I'd have to be in a really <laughs> low place to move to L.A. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's really the more yeah, Punching the Jesus thing.
3: statue is kind of understandable, but the moving to L.A., that's, Ugh. I don't know. Uh, yeah, Can't do it.
1: You're desperate at that point.
2: But he's determined to be an actor. He gets a job at a grocery store. Maybe it's great value. I'm not sure.
1: I don't think it was. You don't think it was? <laughs> no. <laughs> okay. Not the not way sponsored. that their service was.
2: <laughs> but he's behind the meat counter, sees the most beautiful girl in the entire mm. world, mm. Um, and follows her to church. Um, then when he's there, he's talking to her. You know, he really wants to go on a date with her. She's like, I won't date you because you're not Catholic. Kind of rude on camera. It's not camera. Carmen's yeah. part. But then she also, I think this is like my, we'll talk about this later, but my favorite line, she's like, well, I'm a Catholic girl, so no sex before marriage. (laughs) And then he's just like, isn't that what confession's for? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So we'll talk about that in a little bit, unless we want to talk about it now. We
3: could talk about it now. You want to talk about it now? Sure. Okay.
2: So... I guess, yeah, a little bit, what is the Catholic understanding behind abstaining from sex until marriage? Um, And then also the line about, like, isn't that what confession's for? Maybe talk a little bit about um, why we don't don't believe in just sinning and then going to confession, why we actually strive for virtue. Whoa.
0: Okay. (laughs)
1: All right. right. So which one do we want to unpack first? Uh, Abstinence?
2: yeah, <laughs> yeah it's, always, it's always good to start off a uh,
1: podcast with sex mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um
2: it really breaks the ice <laughs>
1: <laughs> just realized what i said
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: oh this is just oh, like busting good. nuts
2: <laughs> <laughs>
1: <laughs> okay oh no <laughs> Okay, now that we uh, can try to get this train back on the rail. Um, yeah, it's, well, from what I understand, like, the best, the reason why we abstain is because we want to honor our wife just with one thing that we can give her that no one else can have. Um, it's the same thing, it's the same reason, like we, uh, like, we veil the things that are most sacred So that those things you can recognize and distinguish those things from what is normal and that's why like men and women guard themselves until marriage where they reveal the most sacred part about themselves to each other
0: yeah i think people like to sorry people like to talk about uh like sex and marriage as two different things as if you could do one without the other but they're really a part of the same sacrament. They're a part of the same thing. So the natural end of of se- the sexual union is that of procreation and raising children. And then it's also of unity between a man and a woman. Both of those things, their are proper places inside of a marriage. So it doesn't actually make sense to have sex outside of marriage. Um, if you do, that's that's just fornication. That's not the fullness of what the act actually is. And so, yeah, it's like not even sex at that point.
3: Yeah. That's basically what I was gonna say. But yeah. yeah, if you're uniting with somebody that you haven't agreed to live your entire life with, then you shouldn't be giving yourself to them in
1: that way. You're removing the dig removing wow. <laughs> you're removing the dignity of both yourself and your the the woman at that point in time and it's just using each other essentially for the pleasure of it. And then, you know, after that you fear the consequences, where like in the marriage you you anticipate having that um, that union be blessed by God with children, and it's not something you have to be stressed about because you get the mother, the father, who be together, who will raise the child as opposed to, um, you know, throughout the weeks with mom and then on weekends with dad. You know, you don't have to worry about any of that and, like, child support and all that crap. Like, none of that, it all goes out the window when, you, when you're able to be married.
2: So, Brady, you said that you can't have marriage or sex without the other. So, kind of a niche topic, but what do we think about Josephite marriage? Uh, that is the idea of people getting married, um, and then they abstain from sex in their marriage as like Mary and Joseph did. Mm-hmm. I don't think I, that
1: I, that I, technically can be blessed as a marriage, because conservation yeah, I mean, is part to. of the sacrament of marriage.
0: So, my understanding is that the marriage is valid but it's not consummated. i don't actually know it's still a valid one because if we say otherwise then mary and joseph
1: weren't Mm, married fair enough that's
0: not true so they They were were married married.
1: what they were quite married they were quite married yeah yeah.
0: um but yeah there's some there's some technical aspect of it i think i believe it's consummation i believe that's what hasn't happened when they haven't had sex but it's still a valid marriage I think it's still sacramental. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: I don't understand what the rationale or the intention is to abstaining from
1: sex throughout your entire marriage. Like, I don't, I don't know. I mean, I can understand from Joseph's aspect, like, he had a lot on his plate with, you know, the son of God.
2: (laughs) (laughs) What, are you saying that Joseph didn't have sex with Mary because he was too busy? Well, no,
1: like, I mean, (laughs) wow, whoops. Um, No, like, I think that the reason that Joseph didn't have sex with Mary is because he saw just, like, all the dignity of God's love with her, and he felt like he served her better by not having sex with her and by serving her more as her husband and as her, her, you know, protecting her and protecting her son and protecting her virginity, like you said, um, from anything that might try to hurt her. And I think that he did a pretty killer job. I mean I don't I don't think that he got anything less by doing that but instead just was able to honor Mary honor his bride by that. Yeah. So then second was the confession one.
2: Oh yeah, confession.
3: I guess in order for confession to truly uh for confession to be valid you have to actually be sorry. And if you aren't sorry then Why are you going to confession in the first place? It's not just a vending machine where you, like, put in a couple bucks and then you're forgiven.
2: Mm -hmm.
3: So, I don't know. It shouldn't be seen as a transaction. And it sounds like in that scene in the movie, he views it just as a transaction.
2: For sure. They talk about it later in the movie also um, when he's, like, actually going through RCIA. Uh, he has like a class on reconciliation and they talk about imperfect or perfect contrition, Um, imperfect being I'm sorry because I might get in trouble or because it was against the rules. And then perfect contrition being, I know that this actually hurt God and I'm sorry because I love God. Um, So that could also be another thing too. Like, yeah, he could say confession, you know, after having sex, like go to confession because he like realizes he broke the rules, but not because he actually understands um, this is something that hurt God or the people around me.
3: Mm-hmm. I think if you're going into having sex before marriage, knowing that I can just go to confession afterwards. Like Please, if I'm you sorry. if you break a rule and then realize afterwards, oh, shoot, I broke a rule. And I need to go to confession. I think that's different than knowing I'm intentionally going to break this rule because I know I have an
1: out. Mm <laughs> hmm mm-hmm that's presumption and where you get into um yeah where you don't have that contrite heart because you knowingly did something wrong to and used confession as an out and again at that point in time you don't have a contrite heart and i guess i don't know what the the true cure is for that eventually i think down the road you're able to be like like if you have a contrite heart and you're working towards forgiveness like you can find that ability to go to con- bring it in confession and like have a an absolution from that but that's a really really no no sin as far as what i know
2: all right well moving on so you know he talks to carmen decides he's going to become catholic um i think mostly for the girl at the beginning um but i think as he goes through the process starts to become something he actually wants to do for himself uh, he gets baptized. I the one question I have: Why did he take his shirt off for a pour over the head baptism? Because like,
3: it's a Mark, Mark Wahlberg movie.
2: <laughs> <I> mean, <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was like really awkward. Like he kind of like seductively <laughs> took his shirt off in church, and then like <laughs> got baptized. It was kind of like, uh, does that happen? Didn't I'm, he like get in a tub? Or no, something? he no. just a pour over. It was like pour over the head.
1: I think that they definitely could have done something better with that. Maybe, Mm -hmm. like, used the, like, shirt taking off. They they probably could have done something symbolic with that to represent, like, the, like, cleansing of sin and how, Mm -hmm. you know, something like that. But I don't think they really hit at that. Like you said, it was more of, like, the, you know... That's Groove Tonight, kind of taking your shirt off. Well, I was like,
0: to give the movie credit, like this was not a a scene of a good baptism. Yeah. Was Was it? I guess I forgot. Well, he was still doing it just to get the girl. So, of course, that's what he was doing. He would obviously take that
2: an That's too
3: fair
0: to flirt with the girl. Uh, is that still his intention at this
2: yes. stage in the yeah, movie? Yeah, definitely. Okay. For sure. I
0: forgot. I forgot okay. about like what point in time. So it's that not like happened. the movie's claiming that this is a this is what baptism looks like.
2: Well, it's also for an adult baptism, not at all what it would have looked like because in the movie, like the chronological order of the movie, it takes place before Ash Wednesday, when traditionally him as an adult should have received all um, his sacraments of initiation, so baptism, confirmation, first Eucharist, um, on Easter Vigil with like you know like in a big tub fountain type thing like it should have happened then so it was kind of weird that it happened before all of that because he technically should have been baptized confirmed and received his first eucharist all in the same time which probably is what actually would have happened in the real like father stew story but that was yeah one of the places where catholicism is not actually accurately depicted there because it wouldn't have happened then and it probably yeah, would have probably been a full immersion baptism. Or not full immersion, but like he's actually, you know, in a fountain of sorts.
1: Hmm. What about those one like churches this is just going off a little bit. Like those churches that have a baptismal font that's basically a bowl. Like how do you do a full immersion? my adults.
2: church at home we have it's kind of like a fancier bowl it's like it matches there's like woodwork on it and sure. it matches the woodwork of the church but it is for like infant baptisms but at easter vigil we get like one of those big like koi pond pools that you can get at like menards you know oh, okay. and then we like decorate it really nice and it becomes like the baptismal font for easter vigil because you do need something bigger okay so it still has holy water and they still the do full immersion they like will get down in it and yeah. they'll pour water over them completely. Kind of like what we do here at STA.
1: That's cool.
2: But yeah, it's like a koi pond. From, yeah.
1: I've always wondered about that. <laughs> like, yeah.
3: When there's just a little bowl. Yeah. Like, what do you do?
2: Mm-hmm. Interesting. But yeah. So yeah, he does get baptized before Ash Wednesday. Um, Ash Wednesday, he's like in catechism class. Carmen's teaching it. all these little kids. Number one, all of their like Ash Wednesday crosses are like perfect. And that never happens. <laughs> yeah, I don't no. know if you guys noticed, but they're all like exact crosses. I'm like, no, Made no, no. Made by a makeup yeah. artist. Yeah.
0: Like, <laughs> Not that. a priest trying to get through 400... <laughs> People, five let's get the line moving. Let's go. Yeah.
1: It was definitely one of the places where Catholicism wasn't accurately depicted, but <laughs> for yeah.
2: sure, for sure. Um, and then I think we have to talk about the conversation he had with the kids, um, when they were like, Oh, what are you gonna give up? and he's like, I'm gonna give up alcohol. And then the little kid is like, My dad gave up porn. <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't think I'll ever forget that because number one, like, great that the dad did, but number two, why did he tell his why son? Why does the kid know? Yeah, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know I what that conversation, conversation that. looked like. Also, I hope that the dad continued to give up porn mm-hmm. after Lent, mm-hmm. but we don't know. <laughs> Easter Sunday is like, I just got to indulge. Oh, no. <laughs> Maybe that'll be an offshoot
1: of Father Stu, like the kid from Father Stu's dad. <laughs> <laughs>
2: mm. This is great, Val. You're going to sponsor that movie, too? Uh,
1: We're not sure. Okay. It's kind of like an episode-by-episode thing. Okay, okay, gotcha. Yeah. So we could completely completely blow it here. Mm-hmm. Great value's gone. Yeah, next week we okay. could have up and
3: up.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. Okay. <laughs> is that is that good to give up, like, a, just a blatant no. sin for Lent? Like, that's not... Uh,
1: I would say it probably is if you're in a state where, like, you're just learning that it's, like, bad. Or you really need to focus hard on getting that rooted out of your life.
2: I mean, Lent... The purpose of it is not to just give up something for 40 days and then go back to indulging in it in normal ways. Um, The purpose of Lent is to give up things that bring you closer to Christ in the hopes that after Lent, it would continue to be part of your life. Mm -hmm. Because if you just give something up for 40 days and you're like, well, never going to do that again, like that means that there was no change. Mm.
3: Yeah, Like giving up swearing for Lent. That's not something you should be doing. Any time of the year anyway. Yeah. Just throw me under the bus, you jerk. But,
2: <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm still kind of alarmed that the kid knew about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What's that, Dad? <laughs> <laughs> well, son. No, the birds
0: and
3: bees talk.
1: Oh, no. That would have been awkward. Because how old were those kids? Mm. In my memory, they mm. weren't elementary. Deals. They're
3: probably... Before they were getting their first
1: communion, so like second grade. Mm-hmm. Like in Florida, they might have been illegal for him to talk <laughs> about that with them.
2: I also don't think he was definitely not like virtuous trained or anything. So it's like protecting God's children for sure. Actually, probably. Oh, I, don't I think, think I have then. heard of
1: that. Yep. What is that?
2: Um, so when you like want to work in ministry, you want to like oh. work with kids, you have to go through a training um, so that... First off, like you know how to have interactions with them that can't be that won't be perceived as, um, yeah, like sexual assault or anything like grooming, anything like that. But also to identify if that's happening with someone mm. else. Gotcha. So if yeah, if you work in the church, it's kind of like a monthly training you go through. Mm. All right, uh, the motorcycle accident that's up next, mm. Um, mm. and then the Marian apparition. Mm-hmm. That was kind of intense. Um, he just gets thrown from the motorcycle. Also, the dude at the bar beforehand, is that Jesus? Are we supposed to assume that is? I th-
0: or an angel? Yeah, yeah at, at a, least an angel.
2: Okay.
1: Is that Probably. like part of the true story or is that part of the um, like dramatization?
2: No, I think it was part of the true story that okay. he had an accident.
3: Because at that point, up until that point, I thought the movie was super cheesy. And then as soon as he got in that car accident, I thought, okay, this thing is taking a turn. I like where this is going.
2: Mm-hmm. I think it was still kind of cheesy afterwards, but, <laughs> um, so yeah, so he has like Mary appear to him and then he like goes into the hospital. His family shows up. Um, he is like dating Carmen at that point. I feel like we should point that out, even though I think that there's still like in the beginning part of their relationship, but it may have gotten like quite a bit deeper considering the fact that when he broke up with her, she's like, I thought you were going to propose, but we'll get to that a little bit later. Let's see. So, he, yeah, he, like, gets in this accident, goes to the hospital. He's healing. Um, and then he just, like, next scene, he's, like, running, praying a rosary. And he's like, I'm going to be a priest. <laughs> the transition there is a little abrupt in my mind. Um, what do you guys think?
3: Yeah, I think it's a little abrupt. But if Mary appears to you, that probably would
0: completely yeah. shatter I think all your preconceived notions. It doesn't do justice to the normal process of discernment that I'm sure, a like, 99% of priests go through or it's very long, it's very intentional, and you, like, choose it, not because of something else that happened, but because that's, like, what you want to give your life to. Mm-hmm. But a Marian apparition is probably the exception, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Like, if that actually happened, I'm sure that would be very powerful.
2: Yeah. But in that in-between stage also uh between the accident and then the uh like deciding he wants to be a priest he also has sex with his girlfriend yeah. um yeah. so i
1: didn't like that part yeah, no that i didn't was either was so unnecessary that was very sad
2: it yeah. was for it both was,
1: of them for both of them was that part of like the true story War for her or, yeah
2: <laughs> yeah well, she
3: felt like she had to do it too yeah it seemed yeah, oh, I think that so was sad. a
2: problem I had was, like, at the beginning of the movie, she's talking about, like, oh, I'm Catholic, we save sex for marriage, and then it kind of just, like, shows her as, like, initiating it, number yeah. one, and then also, like, going back on her morals for this guy. It kind of creates that standard of, like, the- oh, Catholic girls, you know, they say that they're going to save sex until marriage, but really, like, it's, you know, if you if they really love you, they'll do it.
1: Yeah, I didn't, I, I didn't like that because it did paint her in such a moral way, and... Like, it showed, like, the power of beauty and the power of womanhood where it can make a guy, like, clean up his life in order to, like, yeah, get. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, he really had to become Catholic. he had to do what a Catholic person does and, and have that conversion of heart in order to even get a chance with her. And yeah. then, it, like, it threw all that out the window when, you know, like, that scene happened. Um, I think... More towards the the next scene is him talking about it in confession and how he had like again we we saw that contrite heart where he was like this is where something I thought I wanted and I got it and I you know it I just feel bad about it like I don't it shows I think that dimension of his heart that's changed but it doesn't do it, it. Unless that's part of the true story, I think they should have cut that out mm-hmm. because that does just ruin that whole, like, what they had built up.
2: Yeah, I think Well, from what I know about the true story is that he was, like, dating someone and then ended up, like, discerning the priesthood and, you know, left that relationship. I think they were trying to, like, say, yeah, he probably wasn't living a moral life in that dimension before he became a priest but like with it being like a one-time thing like you know he got to this point had the marian apparition and then all of this happened also like carmen being the one who initiated i he was like willing to wait at that point like from like what we saw in the movie like he was like willing to wait until marriage
1: yeah and i think at that point in time too he was saying like you don't have to do this like
2: Mm -hmm. yeah it like really like paints her as like the seductress and like in a really terrible light
3: and it kind of came out of nowhere. It yeah. did.
2: Like, I did not expect it at all.
1: I thought she was just cleaning his wounds. <laughs> <laughs> Here, let me help you also. That start, uh, that's how it
2: starts. Well, I was so confused. After, I was watching it with um, my roommate and her fiance. And we were sitting there and I was like, did they have sex and he was like yeah didn't you like that i was like oh no i like it was like implied but i was like oh you know me just like i think being a little naive i was like yeah they like stopped there
3: (laughs) she's just cheering him up in the hospital just a
1: little bit were they in the hospital though no they were i was gonna say they were just at an apartment yeah
2: it would have been weirder if they did it in the hospital
1: (laughs) (laughs) heart rate monitored
2: (laughs) (laughs) oh my gosh
1: (laughs) We need Laura
0: Horn for
2: this conversation. <laughs> yeah, where's Laura? Um uh, So then he yeah, unfortunately breaks up with the girl. Well before that oh, wait.
0: they even have dinner with the parents.
2: Yes. Yeah. Well I think that was when they started dating.
1: Like, no no no. Like well maybe. Well i think was, that was like throughout the process, like
2: when he was still he going had, through RCA, he hadn't He been. had
0: some of his crap together by the time they had dinner. Yes.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. He and had like a crucifix on the wall. I remember that. There
1: was a part of the scene where um, th- th- there was a part of that that part where they'd shown Mark Wahlberg's character like bonding with the father mm-hmm. and really wanting to like mm-hmm. proceed in the, the courtship of it was very promising. the girl. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, it was. But and Carmen was like, nah.
2: <laughs> well, no. Yeah. They go to lunch and he's like, I'm going to be a priest. She's like, I thought you were going to propose. Like, that is a complete 180 from where they were. Kind of hurts to be Carmen. Like, I mean, honestly, if you, like, have that, like, idea in your mind, you're like, oh, this is going to lead to marriage. And then suddenly he's like, yeah, no, I'm going to be a priest.
1: Especially if you'd saved, like, yourself up until that point. Yeah,
2: that's my argument for um, abstaining until marriage. You never know if he'll be a priest, so don't have sex with him. (laughs) (laughs)
1: it's true it's true
2: Mhm. yeah she's definitely got to be feeling some shame there too like oh like i mean because she is like catholic and like is you know more involved with her church so she's got to see like the beauty of priesthood and to know like oh you know there's like almost like she tainted it in a way um like to feel kind of guilty about that that's probably somewhere she's coming from at that point too
3: oh i don't even think about that yeah it's an interesting dimension to take
2: Yeah. Almost like a, I don't know. She wouldn't view like the whole relationship as like, Oh, I held him back from being a priest. Like she's got to acknowledge that like she brought him into the church in like relationship there. But at a certain point, like they did engage in sin and then he comes and says, you know, I'm going to be a priest. She does make a comment too. Um, he's, she's like, you know, celibacy is like no sex for life. And he's like, yeah, like, you know, you showed me I could do that. And she's like, no, I showed you, you could wait. Not that you could like abstain from that forever. Maybe a little bit of guilt there. Mm. Mm-hmm. Poor Carmen. And then he tells his parents. And his mom's like, for Halloween? <laughs> <laughs> he's like, no, for real. And then his dad. Okay, yeah, we'll talk oh, about I it. I love his dad. dad his dad. So great
3: character. Mel Gibson is phenomenal in that movie. Mel Gibson.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, He
1: directed it too, didn't
2: he? No, somebody else did. But oh. he was, I think he was a producer. Yeah, I think
1: well, both him and Mark
0: Wahlberg were...
3: Mm-hmm. Probably
2: involved
1: heavily. They were the money behind it. Mm-hmm. Oh Pretty yeah, that's much. true. Mm-hmm. That's
0: true.
2: I mean, the movie would have been kind of a flop if it hadn't had like two all-star, you know, characters oh, yeah. in it.
1: Also, take this ch- this time to pray for Mel Gibson because he's set of a contest now. But <laughs> what did he do? He's set of a countess. It's not the. He's not Catholic anymore. Uh, he's in schism. So,
2: pray for him. Mm, poor guy. It's too bad. I and mean, Passion Special. of the Christ Part Two is not going to come out for a long time.
1: Wait what
2: <laughs> they've been writing that since the mm-hmm. first one came out
1: really i didn't to, even know that there was a thing
2: yeah it was supposed to cover um from the resurrection until pentecost i believe wow. okay so like they
3: have a lot to live up to yeah after that first yeah
2: one. yeah part of my language but i'm just quoting the movie here um But I think my favorite line that Mel Gibson said was, I always loved you for the piece of shit you were. That's unconditional. (laughs) 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 And I was like, wow, okay. He's kinda right though. Like Mm -hmm. actually, like I thought about it a lot and was like, whoa, he's actually kinda right. That is unconditional love.
0: Is that what he said when Stu told him he was gonna be a priest?
2: Yeah. Yeah, they're like having a conversation, somehow it came up. Um and he's like, oh, you, like, didn't... Or he's, like, looking for, like, an unconditional love. Um, yeah, because he's, like, he's
0: like, your real dad didn't love you enough? Or
3: what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I like how they're in the relationship. Like, even up until the end, they're always, like, swearing at each other. And it's, like, like, aggressive love. It's very aggressive, but it is love, mm-hmm. which I think is pretty mm-hmm. cool. And every gets super sentimental. But it doesn't mean it's not love.
2: And I'm not sure, like, if that's just, like, what father-son relationships look like. I wouldn't know, because I don't have a father-son relationship but i guess i don't know about you guys
0: (laughs) i'm definitely not that aggressive with my dad my dad and i are like best friends so okay yeah very we're very jokey with each other Mm -hmm. like insult each other and stuff but Mm -hmm. that's just that's just like guy stuff yeah (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. but like we would i mean i would
3: insult my dad in a way i would never insult my mom oh for sure Okay, but but Steve, insult in like a jokey way, not yeah. actually, <laughs> yeah, <I know>. <laughs> <laughs> try to make him feel bad.
2: See, Stew in the movie seems to insult his mom and dad kind of the same, just a little bit.
3: Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. does he swear at his mom he, as much as yeah. his dad? I, I think, think
2: almost more at his mom, but he like does it like actually from a place of love. The mom tosses it back though. She does. So I think you, yeah. I think it's just their family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. they're a very broken family.
3: I, I don't know. I really liked the realness of the movie, how it just showed mm-hmm. the raw just swearing and how broken everyone was in that movie. It wasn't a typical Christian movie where they completely steer clear of language and oh, everyone's going to be happy once he becomes a priest. Mm-hmm.
0: mm-hmm.
2: Okay, now he's going to seminary, but first he got rejected, so he just shows up at the uh, the priest's office. Totally, how it happens, bishop's office. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I don't know if it was the bishop's office. not I, I don't think he was the bishop. Who? I think he's like the vocations director.
1: Fair enough.
0: Or the uh, I apologize. Uh, the, what's it called? The guy who leads the seminary.
2: Um. With an R. Head director. He could have been the rector of the cathedral, like so he was like the bishop's like mm. second hand man, right hand man so he shows up there (laughs) and he's just like let me in i don't think that's how it works um also with seminary your application is not a piece of paper you filled out and a handful of cash like from what i know there's like psyche vows like tons of letters of recommendation countless hours of interviews it's not that simple to just show up and say i want to be a priest
0: it's not like a college application no
2: I mean, I remember my Iowa State application, <laughs> and I filled it out, and then immediately, it's like click submit. There was like the confetti, and it's like you got in.
1: <laughs> yeah, it was like, cool, great. <laughs> <laughs> your check cashed. <laughs> You're in.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and then so he somehow. Wait wait, wait. Wait, wait. wait, wait,
0: oh. When they were when they were talking, even though it's not realistic. hmm But the bishop, not bishop guy, was like, mm, "We don't want your people." Mm. You know, it's like there was very uh, surface-level rejection.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: I wonder if that happens.
2: In, like, seminary applications?
0: Yeah. A little elitist? Maybe. It, uh, I, like if some guy, you mm-hmm. know, some boxer is beat up yeah. and clearly has lived a life not, you know, not well or morally, mm-hmm. you know? Right.
2: I think... From how the movie showed seminary application like just saying this is who i am here's some cash them saying oh we don't really want you in here kind of fits yeah. in a way yeah. but like in the actual seminary process of like getting in no matter what your past was like, they are doing like psyche vows. They're interviewing with you. They're like seeing like really who you are as a person. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think that that surface level, like we're going to reject you based on like who you are, where you came from, is actually not present in, or at least I don't know, in seminaries. But I think because they have such an extensive process, you really are seeing the whole person. And I love to believe that our priests are really like looking at the whole person and want good people to be priests. Mm -hmm. So they're not going to like reject someone based on, oh, you come from this town or you used to live this kind of life. Because if we did that, nobody would be a priest. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think it is easy for priests to see somebody applying and kind of be afraid that they haven't truly given up their past life. Because the bishop, or whoever he was in the movie, he does have to protect the church. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like he shouldn't, if the person hasn't turned away from his past life, it could be scandalous to the church. If Stu was allowed into the seminary,
1: and he shouldn't have been. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you got to make sure that he's not on just like a like a spiritual high, and then turns right up like right back too. So I think. Well,
2: I mean, the four years of formation before you even get into major seminary is probably a great amount of time to see. Um, like that is why so there's minor seminary which is if you don't have a college degree you go for four years and you get a degree in philosophy you're living in intentional community you pray every day go to mass every day Um, and then after those four years you discern do I want to go to major seminary and then major seminaries an additional four years where you're actually like learning like how to say the mass like actually becoming a priest there so the first four years of formation is like it's not guaranteed oh I'm gonna be a priest they're actually just like trying to like discern slowly over time but there's like not a lot of pressure to say you have to go to major seminary if you joined seminary right out of high school you know Um, and if you do have a college degree then it's just two years before you go to major seminary because you've taken a lot more time like you're a little bit older but I think that thinking that Stu is just on a spiritual high like if he wants to join the seminary it'll like wear off within his first year of being there and if he continues to persist and like is still wanting to pursue that like that four years is a great time to see that change but the
1: bishop also has to take into consideration i think the resources that go into that one year Mm -hmm. and like make sure that this guy isn't gonna just be a one-year guy and drop out Mm -hmm. so i think that also is part of the consideration
2: he's roommates with the uh uptight guy
1: (laughs) the real catholic (laughs) yeah
2: he actually by the end of the movie became my favorite character um but i'll we'll talk about that later when we get to the end fair enough um but yeah he was like super uptight i remember the first time Stu came to mass and he's like serving he's you know up at the front he's like rolling his eyes at him and he's like making snide comments you know like oh you need to sign up to help us out um and then of course he like walks into his dorm room and it's got to be that guy that they're roommates with I, I loved when he's, like, up in the middle of the night, like, how do I ring the bells for tomorrow? And I, I was like, I bet that's not what seminary's like. And then I've had it confirmed that's probably what seminary was like. <laughs> I really liked that scene. Yeah. Because I was
0: like, he, he's taking it seriously. Like, mm-hmm. he really wants to do the tiniest little thing, but he sees it as the biggest thing he's ever done.
2: Mm-hmm. You
0: know? That's, yeah. That's cool.
2: Yeah, they also they play a lot of sports and I know for a fact that that is what seminary is like, lots of sports. <laughs> yeah, the guy, the uptight dude, he does not play with them. Um but he like says at one point, you know, Stu invites him like, "Do you want to play with us?" He's like, "I don't know how." Um because his dad just like wanted him to be a priest from a young age and so he felt like he had to like fit in with that. That was kind of an interesting um idea to look at do parents raise certain kids to say like, Oh, you are going to be a priest. So I'm just going to make you into like the perfect kid, not teach you anything fun or let you like have a, you know, childhood basically to become a priest.
1: That did make me kind of like reflect on in my future family. Like, do I hope to make sure that that's not like a pressure that I ever put on like my kids? Like, Hey, you can be whichever you prefer. Like, or whichever you feel called to, I guess, because I've known people who felt like they were like pressured into that, and I know people who have like never been even given the offer for that, like who were like, oh, I had to start figuring this out in college. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think that that is something that you have to, like a balance you have to strike with as a parent.
3: Yeah, it seems like his parents had such a flawed view of the priesthood to begin with. Because they were equating, they were making the distinction between having fun and being a priest, and there was no overlap between those two things, and that's just simply
0: not the case.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine it was probably like a status thing. You know, like they wanted their their son to be the priest.
2: Mm-hmm. And I'm assuming because he Father, served... Father's son. Father son. <laughs> <laughs> well, since he served at that parish, um, I would assume that that was probably his home parish. So his parents were probably parishioners there, and mm. it is like... Yeah, you know, he's been serving for years. Everyone's expecting him to be a priest. And, like, it's, like, a big, oh, your son, the priest, you know? Yeah. Um, Father, son. <laughs> <laughs> but I think, I mean, for some families, you look at Stu's family, and they're, like, almost embarrassed mm-hmm. to have a son who's a priest. Um, I think those are two, like, completely opposite ends of the spectrum. There's definitely, like, a, oh, I'm, like, slightly, like, weirded out about my son being a priest, but also, like, it's really cool, um, like, want to support that. So I think that they didn't really capture that, like, middle ground. It was very much like, here are the two extremes of what Catholics could be like if their son was a priest.
0: I'm sure it's very tough, like, just because that's not, most people get married and have kids. Mm -hmm. And most people want their kids to have kids. So they can have grandkids. So, yeah, I think it's understandable. But also, like, if you're in a good position, good Catholic family, like, you you would be overjoyed. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you're in like a Catholic family, it, they don't don't really give much background on that character. Mm-hmm. But if they're in a Catholic family where um, they've been practicing NFP quite a bit, then there's like a there's probably quite a few kids in that household. So they're like, <laughs> yeah, spares. we can, we can let one out, you know. Like.
2: But <laughs> I <laughs> I think that maybe save that money at Christmas practicing time. NFP means you have a lot of kids <laughs> is not necessarily truth because NFP is too. Plan how many kids you're going to have instead of just, like...
1: That's true.
2: Willy-nilly going about it. Though, I will say that in the time period that this movie was created was probably before the onset of, um, like, NFP. Because NFP is, yeah, something you could practice, but, like, the science behind it has only been, like, recently more and more developing. Mm -hmm. Um, So they probably did just have, like, a calendar on the back of their door that said, well, you know, this should be fine, but we Mm -hmm. might have a kid no matter what whatever
1: happens happens
2: yeah
1: (laughs) yeah the before the the scientific methods of it Mm -hmm. became like yeah like i said there's probably just a a lot of kids it was more of an nfp joke but yeah um um, but yeah it was probably to the extent where they were like hey we'll let this one go save some money at christmas time you know not as many grandkids and
2: yeah, but they got to buy him a chalice when he gets ordained. You know, that's pretty expensive. That's true. And all his vestments.
1: They have to buy well, that for him? Is that
3: typical? The parents buy that?
2: It's. Or. I think it's kind of traditional, like a gift to say um, on like their ordination. Like, I mean, but of course, like if your kid is going to become a priest, wouldn't you want to like get them like some like vestments and like the chalice I think is the biggest thing that parents usually get and they like pick out like a nice one, at least from what I've heard like priests that i talked to use it. At, like their their masses, especially like their um, Thanksgiving mass, their first. I always one. thought all those
0: kind of things were the churches. Is the priests? Oh. No, it's my priests. my home parish. Um,
2: each priest has their own chalice at home, mm-hmm. um, and so they'll like there are ones that are provided by the church. But then also, you know, if a priest like goes from one parish to another, there's like something he can bring with him that he like is still like mm-hmm. celebrating. And they with.
0: take their vestments too. Yep. Yep. Wow. Mm-hmm. I thought it was just the churches. No, they're just like oh like i figured priests would get get moved and be like what are my vestments gonna be like <laughs> no, they, they, usually yeah, bring yeah. Them,
2: they bring them with them there will be like vestments that are specific to the parish that like the parish owns too that they can wear so um and then also like diocese wide kind of things so like if you ever go to you know a chrism mass or um an ordination or something when there's all the priests there they're all wearing the same vestments because there is like a diocese vestment for things like that
1: Priest priest's warehouse.
2: Mm-hmm. For sure. You can you can buy, like, clerics and <laughs> vestments anywhere. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Priestsupply.com. Priestly true. surplus.
2: Well, the Catholic <laughs> supply store in St. Louis that I really like, it's massive. And they have vestments in there. You can just go and buy vestments mm-hmm. if you wanted to. Not that you should, but, like, you could.
1: <laughs> Make the most realistic Halloween Hell, costume. Yeah. Mm-hmm. For sure. Accidentally become a priest.
2: <laughs> well, now... Yeah. Now we're to the bullet point. He can't use his legs anymore. Mm -hmm. Um, so he's playing basketball, can't stand up, goes to the doctor. They're like, yeah, you've got like a muscle disorder. And so he is kind of embracing a new style of life. He's like, I'm about to, or he's like trying to become a priest, but now he like is losing control of like his entire body. And he's not really sure how he's going to go about that. And then also they kind of yeah, at one point they say, like, they basically kick him out of the seminary and they say, like, we can't ordain you because we feel like you're going to disgrace the sacraments by not being able to perform them correctly. That's tough. It's a tough yeah, one. It's real tough. They have a point um, mm-hmm. that, like, yeah, he actually can't perform the sacraments as well as he should. Like, if you, you know, drop the host, like, that is, like, Jesus that you are dropping. That's you. There's, like, a desecration there of the body of Christ. Or if you're dropping the chalice. Like, I know there's procedures for, like, cleaning, like, you know, the blood of Christ out of the carpet, but also, like, if we can avoid that, we really should. So, that was kind of sad. I wasn't, like, crying there. I was, like, upset for him, but...
3: Does he... Is this in the chronology of the movie? After he realizes he's being kicked out of the seminary, then doesn't he, like, go late at night and pray? Mm -hmm. Okay, that's the scene that got me. How did you not cry?
2: (laughs) I... (laughs) I don't think I, like, understand that in the same way that maybe you guys would. Okay. I mean, I, how not? Yeah. He just gets okay, like, told.
0: He's, he's being rejected, he's rejected by God. And he falls down and crawls to Mary. Mm-hmm. And, like, he, looks up and is like, why have you forsaken me?
2: Okay. There is, like, I love this, like, parallel here. But when he's meeting Carmen's family and his father or her father talks about how um, the like, in a parish that they, from their, like, home, how they would, like, crawl to Mary. Mm -hmm. Um, There at the end, he's, like, crawling to Mary um, and, like, asking her, like, to be his mother in that point in time. I, it was sad, but I wasn't, like, yeah, like, I wasn't crying or anything. There was one point where I cried, but it wasn't that one.
3: Okay. That scene hit me so deep when he was yelling, like, I'm doing everything that you wanted me to do. Why are you doing this to me? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Why do you keep putting more obstacles in my way when I've done everything you've asked me to do?
2: I think maybe what made it not more emotional for me is the actual like aggressive nature in which he's like talking with God. Um, like if I am upset with God, I'm probably just like sitting like, okay, why is this happening? I'm freaking out, <laughs> you know, like more internal like, ha, ah, what am I supposed to do instead of like being upset? I. Like i've been upset with god before but not in that way where i'm like yelling at him crawling to mary like why have you forsaken me i don't think that that's ever happened to me okay and that's probably because just...
1: you can use your legs
2: okay Me about that scene is it must be really nice to be in seminary and just be able to like go down to the chapel and scream at God whenever you feel like it, because <laughs> like you can't just do that in a normal church. That's you know? fair.
0: Yeah, this is our screaming chapel.
2: <laughs> I, that would be amazing if there was one. I think more just like for me, I would like a talking out loud chapel. You know, mm. Where I'm like I want to say something and I want to like verbalize it because I'm an external processor, um, but I can't do that here in this chapel because there are tons of people here. You know what I'm saying? I think it would be great mm-hmm. to like everybody puts on headphones and we're just like blasting Gregorian chant, and then we can all just talk to God at the same time, but no one's hearing each other. Would be great. That's interesting. I'd maybe
1: just like a like a 15 minute sign out. Like mm-hmm. this is this is my time. Like I've got this block of yeah an hour to yeah. yell at I, God. Everyone
3: me. comes out of the chapel. Their faces are so red. They lost their voices.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but we all like know like that's people like need their their 15 yeah. minutes. You know.
1: I mean. Yeah, no, that definitely would help. That, that scene hit me too, like, making some tough decisions in my life at the time when I was watching the movie. Mm-hmm. And I was like, yeah. Like you guys said, it hit it hit hard with, like, the emotional part and, like, feeling like you were doing everything to serve the Lord, serve the Lord and you feel like you were being rejected. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, like, it hit hard trying to, like, figure out what that next step was and being able to like honestly submit to god similar to what was being represented in that scene yeah i liked how i think in that scene he kind of ends
3: it by saying i will be good like he keeps he keeps saying that to Mm. himself because basically when you face that situation you kind of have two options you can completely like get angry at god and then reject him but he gets angry at god but still decides to follow him
0: anyway like double
2: down Yeah, yeah he doubles down and then they they call his dad to come pick him up
0: that's huge Mm -hmm. that's huge
2: and the fact that his dad like just like got up and was like all right here i go you know and went and picked him up from church
0: i really like the mel gibson's character because he's like in the trailer smoking he's got like a gun in there or whatever Mm -hmm. like it's a very edgy situation like you don't he's not in a good place but like
1: no there was one time when he had like like the pistol up to his head at one point. yeah. Yeah.
0: Mm -hmm. But like seeing his son in trouble or like in need, boom, instant change. Mm -hmm. He's like trying now. Yeah. I I really like that. That That's one of the more emotional, it wasn't like a single event, but just like the transformation of the father character
1: Mm -hmm. was huge. Yeah, I think like that call to fatherhood and it kind of played on the, the fact that there was a brother beforehand. Mm hmm that had passed away, like, this father was saying that he wanted to take, like, make sure that this son was able to do all that he could mm-hmm. and not fall away like his other son had like, when he had died. Yeah. And he was really called to action, especially at that point in time, but, like, throughout the the development of Mark Wahlberg's characters, like, uh, Father Stew's like, priesthood discernment, like, he was really being, like, fighting whether he was going to be supportive of it or not and that scene kind of showed where he was coming to terms with that Mm -hmm. and accepting the responsibility that came with it yeah
0: and even like during that process he was like i don't agree with this but Mm -hmm. i'm still getting like he still went there he still did all the stuff like for the sake of his son
2: and he like picked him up and then took him home Mm -hmm. and he was like caring for him in those couple weeks when he was like you know trying to figure out how to You know, he's got a muscle disorder. He's trying to, like, live life at home now. But then he's also, like, coping with the, I just got kicked out of seminary. I was supposed to get ordained. And then the day where he's having his surprise ordination. um, And his dad is, like, trying to drive him. He's like, let's go, let's go. And he's, like, you know, dressed up and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And then when he pushes him to the church because the car breaks down. Like, that was, I think, like... The pivotal moment for the dad like he could have given up and said like okay i'm not gonna be able to get you to the church today but he knew he's like this is important he and like he took it
1: on himself no. yeah
2: like he didn't call for help or anything he just pushed his son to church
1: and i liked how they didn't really tell us either what was going on there they didn't mm-hmm. show that that was the surprise ordination i mean you kind of suspected it because the movie's called father stew
2: yeah like he had to get ordained at some point mm-hmm.
1: but <laughs> that it wasn't known that that was the mass where it was gonna happen
2: mm-hmm.
1: and then like when Carmen comes out in like a white in dress white. everyone's just like what's going on here and then
2: <laughs> oh we got kicked out of seminary time to marry the girl <laughs> <laughs> and she's just like I've been praying for this like <laughs> it's like chalice chipper to the extreme
0: <laughs> what i've never heard that
2: you've never heard chalice chipper what's that? no okay oh, chalice no. chipper are like the women that like men discern out a seminary for no <laughs> it's like there's a difference between like okay and it's it's not really like a slur or anything yeah. but it's like it's kind of hard cuz if I think it's more for like women who are like almost dating guys while they're still in seminary and then they discern out to like marry them but i think that like if a guy discerns out of seminary and then meets a girl that's different Mm -hmm. you know
1: yeah yeah but still a funny term (laughs) (laughs) yeah
2: i think it was cool that we saw he and carmen managed at some point to find friendship again and like of course it's going to be much different than it was before you know you can't just like be discerning marriage with someone have sex with them and then like they leave to become a priest and you have the same friendship as before because <laughs> <laughs> that would be a little scandalous um but i think that it was cool to see that they still like managed to to find a way to like be friends and she was like supportive of him eventually like joining the priesthood at the beginning She's like, I'm not about this because like you just broke my heart. But eventually, she like moves to forgive him, and then now she's like actually there to like escort him into the church for his ordination.
1: Yeah, I thought I thought that that was pretty cool too because you really hadn't seen what development had gone on for her mm-hmm. and her character. So it was cool to see that. And then the just like that whole scene was very powerful. Like the when the father was pushing when. She came out and greeted him. Mm-hmm. And then you find out that this was the ordination mass, yeah. which was super special. They were putting like the holy garbs on him. They helped him lay like, prostrate. It yeah. was a very moving scene. And
3: then I like how they showed his dad. He mm-hmm. was in the back, and he <laughs> was a completely different character at that point. Mm-hmm. Like He realized, okay, my son is giving his life to this thing. Maybe I should actually be open to this. And, and then he was talking about I believe he was talking about suffering, like that whole last homily was all about suffering, and his dad felt that mm, at
1: a very personal level, yeah well, and then the reunification of the father and the mother too
2: okay, that is the part where I cried when they were ha, when gotcha. they were like <laughs> dan- when they were dancing in the kitchen um, at the mm. end of the movie and just like knowing like okay Stu's transformation and like his becoming of like when he became a priest while like at the beginning, his family was so resistant to it, like it is actually like his actions brought his parents like back together. Um, and that not even his actions, but just like his willingness to like surrender to the will of God allowed God to like work in every aspect of his life. And so, like when they're like dancing at the end and like, it would have been different, like, okay, if you just like moved back home and like they were like having like a civil marriage, but like they were in love at the end. Like, mm-hmm. That's different than just, you know, getting back together. Like, yeah. There was love there.
1: Yeah. I thought that was really powerful. Mm -hmm. And again, like you said, it it shows like how the Lord uses our yeses, especially in our vocations to be able to bring the Holy Spirit to everyone around us. Mm -hmm. And I think that is one of the coolest parts about being called to this life that we are, is that he doesn't want us to just do something for the sake of doing it. Like he wants us to be fully committed and fully submitted so that all of him, as much as him as he can give, will be spread throughout the world. And I think that that is the most, you know, honoring call that we have.
2: Yeah. And then, um, so they they put Stu at the nursing home um, where he's like a chaplain there. And people just like show up to like talk to him, go to confession with him. The part at the end where the uptight dude comes back and goes mm-hmm. to confession that was like the biggest transformation I saw of like the whole movie. Cause he goes from like super uptight. Like I'm going to be a priest. I don't like Stu at all. to he's like coming to Stu to like ask him for confession. And he's like telling him like, I never wanted this. This was like always what my parents wanted for me. And he's like, I want a different life. He just like gives like finally like a surrender of like, finally he's not living for what his parents want. He's like, this is not what I want. Um, this is like, of course, if it's something that he's like so against, like that's not God's plan for him either. And he comes to Stu and he's like, "Will you accept my confession?" Honestly, like such a humble moment to say, "I never liked you. Um, I never thought you would be a good priest in here. I am asking you to like forgive me of my sins in like the person of Christ."
1: At that point in time was the uptight dude ordained or not?
2: I don't think he I think he may have like left seminary. Yeah.
1: Okay. So. Cuz I thought that he I thought that Father Stu said something about like this is the life that, regardless of, uh, you know, what has happened, mm-hmm. this is the life that you have. Like, go and take it, something along those lines. And I believe... I think it was like,
0: this is the only life you have. Like, well, a YOLO. like don't live for other people.
1: Well, and I... Live for God. But at that point in time, didn't he have, like, already... Wasn't he, like, wearing his, his collar and everything still? No,
2: he was just wearing, like, a sweater. Hmm. I don't think that he... Well... You can wear a collar when you're in major seminary. So that's why it's like sometimes confusing if you see a seminary and you're like, oh, maybe they're a priest. Not. Don't ask, him for yes, don't ask
1: mm-hmm. them for confession. Don't ask them for
2: confession.
1: They want to give it to you, they can't.
2: You can actually ask anyone for confession. You just can't receive um, absolution from anyone. So mm-hmm. I could confess my sins to you guys, but you could go tell people about it and nothing would happen. Awfully proud of you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> That's actually what the next episode's gonna be, just like a public confession.
1: <laughs> I'm sorry for these last however many episodes. <laughs> That'll be our next blooper episode. But going back to that other, uh, the, the really
3: <laughs> going back to the really uptight priest, there's that mm-hmm. or seminarian, there's that scene where they go to the jail mm-hmm. and Ooh. he tries to preach to all the inmates and they aren't having any of it. And then Stu goes up there and starts talking the way they talk and actually relates to them. I thought that was a really cool scene. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a quote that said, um, he's preaching the gospel from the mouth of a gangster. Yeah. Which I was really cool because with that uptight guy he's so unrelatable to majority of the world but God calls us to be different like he created us each differently to show his love in a different manner than I'm um, called to show I'm um, called to show love in a different way than you are and I think that really showed up in that scene
2: hmm because
3: Father Stu's background was way different than anybody else's and God was using that not necessarily saying that his background should be completely forgotten but it's through his upbringing that he is able to evangelize two other people that nobody else could reach.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: So I just thought that was a cool scene. I, it was, yeah.
0: yeah.
1: Yeah, it does show that uniqueness that God has for each of us to fit into a niche, different part of His world and part of His plan.
2: Well, that's the movie. I just have a couple questions for you guys, like, specifics about the movie. Um, So the biggest thing is, like, the Marian apparition. That is, like, what gets him to, like, change his life around. He's like, I'm going to become a priest. And, like, as women, we see, like, Mary as, like, an ideal um, who we're, like, you know, trying to emulate in our, like, daily lives. But how does, like, Mary speak to you guys as men? Or, like, what is um, a relationship between, like, a man and Mary?
3: She's comforting, I think like a a very motherly figure. Um, I just feel like safe when I'm praying to Mary.
1: I don't know about. Yeah. I'd say doubling down on that. I'd say like the, the maternal aspect where, you know, she takes Stu into her arms and starts like cleaning his wounds and stuff like that. That was like powerful because it was exactly what a mother would do in that situation. And like she felt like rejected by him and still like was doing all this for him like mm-hmm. because she wanted him to be saved and wanted him to turn to her son. So I think that like that's what she does for all of us. She just got the opportunity there to do what she did.
0: Yeah, I think uh, most guys, if not all guys, um, just like dream is to lay down their life for like the feminine like, that's why we do everything, <laughs> pretty much. Like, mm-hmm. just like Christ laid his di- laid, laid, sacrificed himself for the church, like we want to sacrifice ourselves for the church or a woman. And I think Mary represents, like, that ideal woman. So she's the perfect woman. And so, like, she's just, like, kind of the source of all motivation, in a sense, or all comfort, mm. I think, for a lot of us.
2: Cool. So if Mary appeared to any of you and said, you should be a priest, would you? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay. I mean, <laughs> I just, just want to check. I will be done.
2: <laughs> yes, Mom. Um, yes, Mom. <laughs> yeah. And I think just like something, I, we covered a lot of the stuff I wanted to talk about already, just kind of throughout the movie. Um, but the biggest thing I think the movie does really well despite like its shortcomings about like maybe inaccuracies um, and like being kind of cheesy there at the beginning. I think what it does a great job of is showing that like priests are human, Mm. which I think our world, especially in the light of like the sex abuse scandal, um, so many different things, they forget that priests are still human. um, But there is a level to which priests are representative of the church. So they're kind of like held to a higher standard, but they still like have those human tendencies. Do you guys have anything you want to kind of, like, add to that, talk about that?
0: Yeah, I think maybe just because of our age, we don't have a full grasp of, like, because we didn't, we grew up in, like, those scandals, like, were in the past. And like, it's just a part of the mm-hmm. history. But for most people, like, let's say our parents or their parents, like, that was a huge thing that, like, changed what it meant to, like, be a priest or, like, the standard or the, the brand of, of, like, a Catholic priest, was tarnished and so i think it's hard for us to recognize the impact of that but i don't know priests are kind of superheroes so (laughs) yeah
1: yeah it takes a special laying down of your life to be a priest Mm -hmm. i also like not to like diminish what like all those scandals and the people were hurt Mm -hmm. by it but it just seems very dramatized and maybe it's again like our age and where we haven't experienced that. Like it seems like it wasn't as like, it wasn't the way that they paint it in news media. It makes it sound like every priest was like that. Yeah. And so like on that note, it does show again that we are human and priests are human and that they can fail just like we can. And they can turn away just as we can. It's just even more harmful when they do it because they are like the Bible says, they are teachers and they're held to a higher standard.
3: Yeah, and I liked how it showed priests can have fun too. Like that's mm-hmm. one of the things I took away from the movie is they're just guys. Like it was super easy to relate to them playing basketball or the boys yeah like (laughs) making fun of each other or when they were practicing ringing the bells they were making fun of each other like that's something guys do Mm -hmm. and that's something that we don't always see um, priests being portrayed as just guys being dudes dudes. that makes
1: me think of like there was a i think it was in sioux falls or something like that there was a diocesan seminarian poster and it was a bunch of guys standing in the wheat field and it was like the grain is ready for harvest like send out the people and (laughs) and it was like all these seminarians like like standing there like fiercely and stuff like that Mm -hmm. it was it was cool to see and it was like this is the kind of message we need to 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 paint out there like seminary isn't just sitting down and reading books you know
2: and like priests you know they live interesting lives like father kyle's talking about his ski trip you know that he's planning with his (laughs) friends like An uptight priest would not go on a ski trip. He'd be sitting at home reading the Summa, of course. (laughs) (laughs)
3: Yeah, yeah. Hey, now that's fun.
2: (laughs) Is it? Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. I mean, it's fun if you understand what he's saying. (laughs) Aquinas is a little hard to uh, to grasp.
1: Especially, have you guys ever like read his like arguments for something, like Mm -hmm. arguments that he made on. From the the opposing standpoint, yeah. you're like the objections. Wow, you know? like these are really good like arguments. Like mm-hmm. I don't know, maybe this is something we believe in the Catholic Church, and then it's like, oh no, <laughs> yeah. he's no, like, you I can't. answer. On the contrary, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. He does give like he he steelmans all of them, all mm-hmm. the arguments. He mm-hmm. does them better than they do. That's true. And then destroys them with facts. And
1: lies. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that reminds me of. The other day I was sitting in my speech class. This is just a little bit of a tangent. You know how straw man arguments? Mm. So they said straw person arguments. And that annoyed the crap out of me.
2: Mm. Like, <laughs> well, um, are you guys good? Have anything you want to add? No,
3: thank you for having us. For having that, having that won't song. be edited yeah. out.
1: <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, so.
1: This was fun. It cool. was. Yeah, very fun. Cool.
2: Thank you all for listening. This has been a really fun podcast to do. I enjoyed the movie Father Stew. um, And it's really cool to talk about a more modern movie, knowing that a lot of the movies I talk about came out years and years ago, but this one, you know, came out this last year. So very cool to do that. Thank you, Brady, James and Jared for being on the podcast. It was a pleasure to have you. And I know that we'll probably continue to talk about Father Stew for, you know, conversations in the future. Thank you for listening today and I'll see you next time on the Entertainment Inquisition. Bye. 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 Bye.
0: <laughs>